Feeling a little moody bluesy on Strictly Business here. Presented to you exclusively by Podcast Heat and adfreeshows.com. I, of course, am John Alba. Strumming consistently. Put that guitar down. (laughs) Can you imagine somebody's driving down a road? All of a sudden they hear that open and they think, that is the worst show open music I've ever heard. (laughs) You know, I was inspired, Eric, because I saw on the Twitter machine this past week, I saw a clip from you playing guitar on Impact many, many moons ago. And I was genuinely impressed because after what you just told me a few minutes ago, that that was one of the first songs you ever even learned how to play on guitar. It was impressive, man. Yeah, I, I taught myself. I, you know, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube and learned some basic chords and started to listen to flamenco music. And I've always loved, you know, acoustic guitar, Spanish guitar, flamenco music in particular. So I just started watching a couple of those videos. And, you know, I, I have an ear for music and, and, mm-hmm. It was easy for me to teach myself. Uh, I knew we were going to do that segment a couple of weeks in advance. So I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just learn how to do it. And I, and I did. It was awesome. That's really impressive because it takes people years to even get a grip. Um, Here's the truth. The truth is I've tried throughout my entire life, probably no fewer than a dozen times at one point or another throughout my life to learn how to play guitar and I have no musical abilities whatsoever. Really? I have a, not a tin ear. I have cast iron <laughs> for an ear. Look at that. That's a stiff upper lip right there. No, that was me doing Elvis is what that okay, was. I like it. That was, that was right after the sold out pay-per-view. I was at Sonny Ono's house in Mason city, Iowa. Shout out to Sonny, James Sorensen, member of Afri shows. <laughs> that went over to Japan and traveled with Sonny and his wife to watch Sting's last match against Muda. But no, I was at Sonny's house in, uh, it was after that pay-per-view and probably had a cocktail or two. And I broke into my famous, Sonny, I broke into my famous Elvis impersonation and Sonny still has that guitar. Wow. To this day. He's a pack rat. I love that. Did you see the Elvis movie? Yeah, I did. You like it? Yeah, I did. I thought it was great. He was an excellent Elvis. There's no doubt about that. Uh, welcome to Strictly Business, everyone. We're just shooting the breeze here on this week's episode. I, we've, man, we've been talking about such heavy stuff the past few weeks. It's nice to just decompress a little bit, Eric. How's everything been going out in uh, Wyoming there? Dude, I miss all that heavy, crazy shit, man. It's slow. <laughs> it, it was to the point where I couldn't afford to put my phone down. I had to stay on top of stuff. Hey, David Kelly, how are you? David Kelly's with us live, along with Kickflip Demon. A couple other folks here from Man Free Shows are with us live. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Appreciate that. Um, where was I? No, man, I, I, I got addicted to all that big news flying across my social media constantly, 24-7, and then watching all the useful idiots chime in and their opinions and their predictions and their inside information. But I did miss, I do miss it, man. It's slow. I don't like it slow. Well, I like it fast. As we went on the air today, your friend Mike Johnson over at PW Insider reported that Vince is back at Titan Towers. So a return to normalcy of some sort there with Vince back at Titan Towers. They're moving just across the road uh, pretty soon, actually, I think, to new office buildings there. 
Uh, does that say anything to you that the man's back in back in charge there? No. I'd be more surprised if he well, I don't know that he's back in charge. See, automatically people jump into the conclusion that it's right, right back to the way it used to be. Look, you know, in the position that Vince is in right now, he could be meeting with a board. Could be. Right? He could be meeting with key executives within WWE that are not part of the board, and they're all there. Easier for him to show up there than for them to all jump in their car in the middle of the day and go meet him somewhere. I, you know, I, I'm not reading anything into it. I'd be more surprised if he wasn't showing up, quite honestly. I know he's got that big dinosaur skull in his office. I've seen that. It's a pretty impressive office setup that Vince McMahon has. Again, we are live on YouTube right now, streaming this episode of Strictly Business, and it'll be available wherever you get your podcast. Hey, special thanks to Brian Bedall last week, who I just thought was fantastic. I could have chatted with Brian for two more hours, Eric. Uh, what would you think of our conversation with him? Yeah, it was so great. You know, I haven't had a conversation with Brian since the WCW sale fell through, and he called me when I was sitting on a beach in Hawaii to give me the bad news. Uh, so it was great catching up with Brian, but again, man, he's so smart and we, we were a little bit under the gun with some time restraints. So we weren't able to get as granular and into the weeds as I like to, but uh, man, it was fun. He's such a smart guy. He's accomplished so much in the world. of media. Go check that episode out now. If you haven't in the archives, 83 weeks.com, make sure you're subscribed to 83 weeks on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast, because that's how you're going to get access to strictly business. In the hey, I want to, I want to jump in on that. I want to push that a little harder and, and make people understand, you know, we not only struggle and I don't say, I shouldn't say struggle. We endeavor to put out the highest quality shows that we can over on 83 weeks, as well as here on strictly business. And we fight every day to make it as, as good as it could be because it's fun and we enjoy it. However, we need some help from you guys because this is all about algorithms, right? Mm. It's all about rankings because the, the, the more people are talking about or subscribing or liking or giving us five-star ratings, the quicker we move to the top, the more advertisers start to look at us, the better everybody's life becomes. So do us a favor, subscribe to 83 Weeks. Give us that five-star rating. Make some comments. Make some noise. Tell your friends. Retweet this shit. Come on now. I'm going to turn this into a juggernaut. That's right. Well, this is going to be a juggernaut of a show. We got a bunch of different topics we're going to hit on here. I want to tee you up on this first, Eric. I thought, I don't know how much of it you got to see, but I, I know you tweeted briefly about it too. I thought AEW and Tony Khan just did such a classy job with the Jay Briscoe tribute and really trying to push Warner media and Warner brothers discovery rather to feature Mark Briscoe in the way they did where he main evented against Jay lethal on dynamite this past week. I, I thought it was a really classy effort from Tony Khan and company. And, and I want to give them some flowers on that. Did you see any of that or maybe any of the chatter on social media about it? I, I didn't watch the episode. Uh, certainly did. Uh, see some of the clips and a lot of the coverage and, and everything that was on social media. I saw that this morning early uh, and yeah, hats off, man. It was a good thing for, for the fans. It was a great thing for the family. It's something that, you know, Jay's kids will be able to at some point in their lives, go back and watch and, and be grateful for. So yeah, uh, kudos all the way around. 
it was a really, really well done event. And uh, it was on top of some big news that AEW actually announced today, Eric. And I'm not even sure if you've seen this yet. It came out about an hour or so before we hit record here. And that was uh, AEW announced a deal with DAZN. And DAZN Group has announced that it has secured exclusive broadcast rights to AEW in a multi-year agreement that will bring premium matches and entertainment to DAZN subscribers in 42 markets across Europe and Asia. And that's going to include Dynamite, Rampage, Battle of the Belts, Pay-Per-Views, Dark Elevation, and Dark. Uh, And it is going to be available in... By my count here, it looks like more than 20 countries. So AEW expanding its spheres of influence, getting a big international deal like that, Eric, uh, about four years into this company's existence, your initial reaction to something like that? Um, well, there's a lot we don't know, right? I, just on the surface, my first reaction is good for them because it, it's there's no way it's a bad thing. How much of a good thing it is depends on a couple things. For example, you made reference to day zone or days in or whatever it is zone. Mm-hmm. being available in 20 different countries. Okay. That sounds really good in a headline, but how many people actually watch it? There's a lot of things that are available here in the United States on cable television. Nobody watches because it's obscure and it's amongst 200 other things that people would prefer to watch. So it's, it's, you know, in terms of how good it is, a lot of that will determine how many people actually watch that network in those 20 countries where it's available because hell there's a bunch of Mercedes I'd like to drive someday available at the Mercedes dealership about two hours north of here, but just because it's available doesn't mean I'm going to buy one. And just because that cable outlet is available in 20 different countries doesn't mean anybody watches it, or it could mean that a lot of people watch it. We don't know. Mm. The other variable in, in that opportunity lies in how much money, how much money do they get paid for it? Is it a lot of money? Is it a little bit of money? Even if it's a little bit of money, that doesn't make it a bad thing, right? Because now you're you're expanding your digital universe. Those people are going to hear all about AEW.com or whatever their website is. Those, however many people watch in those 20 different countries where it's available, um, are some of them are going to become familiar with the AEW brand and the characters in it. None of that is a bad thing. It's just a question of how good of a thing it is. And the last variable is how is AEW going to monetize that opportunity beyond whatever license fee they're getting? Are they going to tour in any of those countries? Because if they're going to tour in those countries, even if they're not making a lot of money in a license fee, it can be a great opportunity. So there's too many things we don't know to be able to ascertain whether it's a great opportunity, a good opportunity, or a, eh, we'll find out. Tina used to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Every time Dixie Carter had an opportunity to put out a headline in social media, TNA announces groundbreaking wrestling opportunity. We're getting distribution 
in one of the largest cable platforms in Tanzania. Okay. <laughs> now, a deal in the UK with a major player that has major penetration and audience, that's a different headline. But just being available doesn't necessarily equate to opportunity or even revenue. Producer Steve following us. Uh, DAZN has 15 million paying subscribers across 225 countries and territories. But again, that's that's streaming. And that's actually what I was going to piggyback on here. You know, you're getting a streaming deal rather than a traditional cable deal. We know that the property status is changing across the entire spectrum. Streaming is something that is becoming much more popular. We talked about that last week right here in the archives on Strictly Business. Uh, does that stand out to you in any way that they're going with an international streaming service as opposed to trying to ink individual cable deals with these potential uh, cable outlets? Um, you know, I'd have to give that some more thought and get some more information. But to me, look, I said when I first heard about AEW and their initial negotiations with Turner, uh, and I was incorrect, by the way, because I, you know, absolutely, I can't imagine Turner wanting to get back into wrestling business again. Well, I said that without really thinking too much about it. Didn't realize that just about every Turner executive inside of Turner today wasn't anywhere near Turner Broadcasting right. back with WCW. It's a whole new world. It's a whole new team of people, new world, new goals. Everything's different. Um, but one of my points early on was, and I still think I was kind of right about it, was that if I was... And again, this is going back for four and a half years. If I was Tony Khan, I would be putting all of my focus and crafting a great vision for streaming as opposed to cable or terrestrial television because streaming is the future. Now, in, in that same context, I think that if there's an, a streaming platform as big as apparently Dazon is, Sounds like nothing but a good thing to me. How good a thing? We don't know. What's that deal look like? We don't know. But it can't be bad. It can only be various shades of good. Or maybe great. We just don't know. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Let's take a time out right now and tell everybody what I'm doing in my real life. Save with Conrad.com. That's how I spend my days helping people save money. And I would love to help you save some cash as well. We routinely help our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. It's not uncommon for us to help families save more than a thousand dollars a month, but how much money can you save? It's free to find out right now at save with Conrad.com. Let me read one of our many five-star reviews from you. This one comes to us from David in Pennsylvania. He left us five stars and had this to say, Dan was very knowledgeable and found ways to get things done when I was being complicated, very professional, but at the same time, personal to assure me of the process. Lord knows with my job and unexpected circumstances popping up, she always found a solution and put my mind at ease. Guys, it's all about customer service. We want to show you how easy it is to accomplish your financial goals. Maybe you need a little cash infusion right now. We can get you the cash you need and show you how to skip your next two house payments. That's right. No payments for two months. And come April 1st, guess what? You're going to have a cheaper monthly payment. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan or you've got credit card debt, it's not a matter of if we can save you money, but a matter of how much. But maybe best of all, one more time, You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And we don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. You know where you want to be. You want to pay your house off. You want to get out of debt. You want to retire on time. You want to make sure your kids aren't burdened with student loans. And maybe along the way, we want to upgrade our house a little bit, put in a new bathroom, maybe put in a pool. We can help you do all of that at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Seriously, check out our reviews and our A-plus rating with the BBB at conradreviews.com or get yourself a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com or call us toll-free, 888-425-0105 or email me directly, conrad at savewithconrad.com. Now, let's get back to the show. But also a follow-up on your previous mm-hmm. question about streaming. The one thing I did find interesting that I just learned in talking to you as you read that press release to me because I didn't look at it, was that it's an exclusive streaming mm-hmm. deal internationally. That kind of eliminates potential value to any domestic streaming play, doesn't it? I mean, we heard a lot about Discovery and their streaming platform and the, all the opportunity that that could possibly bring to AEW. Well, does and this is a question, not a statement, but does AEW signing an exclusive deal for international streaming distribution make that less of an attractive opportunity for Discovery? Is Discovery only streaming domestically, or is you know Discovery's goal to stream internationally? 
I don't right. know, man. It's complicated. It's interesting. The, the, w- when you said the word exclusive, man, the hair stood up on the back of my neck because that can be a good thing if there's a lot of dollars attached to it. It can also prevent you from moving forward in another deal that could be costly down the road. So it all depends. Well, I want to fire back on that because Fight does have a deal with AEW where Fight streams AEW content in the UK, I believe. through its aw plus platform so i think the term exclusive might be being used a little liberally perhaps (laughs) and broadly in the press release there maybe it's exclusive in those territories that it's referring to and it's a little kabuki-ish it's a little little kabuki-ish i got you on that that's that's a little aw not just on our minds because of something like this but this has actually been a conversation you and i have been having in the last couple of weeks. And we hinted at it a few weeks ago on strictly business, but that was with what's been going on with the show that follows AW dynamite on TBS. And that is power slap Dana White's brand new promotion that has been extremely controversial uh, has generated a lot of negative headlines in terms of uh, actual reception. You see that one from dead spin Dana White's power slap is the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, Chris Nowinski, a former WWE talent, of course, uh, was very, very critical of the what he perceived to be lack of safety procedures with the individuals involved in the program. However, viewership has been pretty steady. Uh, the first episode drew 969,000 viewers on the back of AW Dynamite. So it did piggyback successfully off of that. Do you think that the negative reception to the programming so far, Eric, could cause some carryover stink per se onto dynamite. I'm, I'm going to get back to that because that's a great question. Weird, but let's go back to power slap. Yeah. I didn't see the ratings. Um, what was the, what? What were the ratings again for power so, slap? A week ago on the first uh, episode, it drew a 0.31 with an estimated audience of 969,000. What was the what was the lead in? What was Oh wait, actually my apologies. I'm totally misreading that. That is my apologies. I, I misread that. Power that was what AEW did, nine hundred sixty-nine thousand. AEW is the lead in the power slap. Power slap pulled just two hundred ninety-five thousand. Ooh, uh, see, that's a whole yeah. different conversation. That's a whole different, I apologize. I misread that on my notes there. Ooh, uh, doggy. It, and that was the first episode, two hundred ninety-five thousand that it pulled. And uh yeah, not not great indication there. It drew a Point one zero in the 18 to 49 graphic demographic. So weak ratings to start there. Plus critically, Eric, people very much speaking out against this. It was extremely violent. It was uh, almost barbaric. I was watching it. This is my opinion here. It was barbaric. And, and in this era where we are supposed to be conscious of concussions and be aware of that stuff, this just seemed like a disaster, man. Did it? Total disaster. People used to say the same thing about UFC. It's human cockfighting. It's dangerous. People are going to die. Elbows to the head, knees to the face, blood all over the place, ground and pound. When MMA, now granted, when UFC first emerged, it was a different product than it is today. Dana White, the frittatas, 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 tomatoes, tomatoes, whatever. Um, (laughs) did a great job building that brand and mainstreaming it and, and getting licensed in you know, different States and so forth. But that was a long-term effort and yeah. people gradually became comfortable with the product, including corporate sponsors like Budweiser, for example, or whatever beer company 
and a lot of others. Um, look, it, to me, it was, and I couldn't watch a whole episode. I did drop in on some. It's just, I can't watch it. Man. No. It's just not, and it's not, be, it's just too, like, I, I'd see that stuff pop up on, you know, social media all the time. And I'd watch it and go, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't make good TV. You, and look, unless you care about the people that are slapping the hell out of each other, unless there's a story involved, unless you do something like, you know, The Voice does, where you learn about, you know, the individuals and their backgrounds and their goals and their challenges and their puppies and their girlfriends or their husbands or whatever. Unless you hear something that makes you care, now you're just watching Two guys slap each other. Now, grand, it's a hell of a slap, but I can't see it working. And your no. your original question was, I think, to paraphrase it, mm-hmm. do I see any backlash? This is a stretch, okay, admittedly. But it's also based on some experience. You have to understand the culture of network executives for the most part, the lifespan of a network executive. I'm talking about people in the programming department, right? Senior programming. They have a lifespan of about two years in any one company. It's a revolving door. And as a result of that, most of them are job scared. In addition to the fact that, I mean, most cable outlets now, and certainly television networks, everybody's job scared, right? Because the, the, the advertising industry is tanking for traditional television, cable and, and terrestrial television. It's a tough world out there. That's why budgets are getting cut. That's why you're seeing companies merge because they're trying to find a way to survive in this world of streaming that's eating their lunch. So, between the fact that program executives have a tendency to be kind of gypsies in the world of television anyway, and just move around a lot. Now add to the fact that they're all job scared for a lot of different reasons. When you have something like power slap, get the kind of reaction advert negative reaction that it got. It, 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 it there could be some collateral damage. Mm-hmm. You can have someone, and I'm not suggesting this is going to happen or is happening, but it's an example of what could happen because I've seen similar things happen before my very eyes. When you have the kind of backlash, for example, from Chris Nowinski, that's not a little bit of backlash. Chris Nowinski in his world is a very influential person. And the people that follow Chris and believe in the same things Chris Nowinski does when it comes to CTE are going to be very vocal about it. And when that filters up and you have some network executive looking at a list of all of the negative responses to it, there can be a, you know what? We don't need this kind of a headache with any of this content. We're going to go to a more traditional content that isn't as controversial that we can make as much or possibly more money off of. Again, I hope that doesn't happen because it would really be unfair, but it's the mentality. It's the culture. You have to understand 
how job scares and therefore risk averse, not adverse, because adverse suggests an adversarial <laughs> or combative relationship. Ad, adverse merely suggests an avoidance or dislike. And I think in this that was, case, that was good. Averse works better than adverse because it's not a battle like with Dave Meltzer and Grammar. That's a battle. Dave's been losing that one for 30 years. But network executives are averse. They don't like and they avoid risk. And the backlash from power slap, depending mm -hmm. on how certain executives feel about AEW, could have a negative impact. I hope it doesn't, but it could, because one of the reasons I got out of television is because you couldn't get a network executive to make a commitment about anything, even after they bought your show. Well, especially with all the moving pieces in Warner Brothers Discovery right now, it's every other day you hear about someone departing the company or them deciding to do something different than the original plan with a piece of content. It, it's rapidly changing. It, you made a point about UFC, how back in the day they used to say, oh, it's barbaric and all that. Well, one thing that kind of saved that image was A, direction, but B, they regulated it more and it became more mixed martial arts based and elements of jiu-jitsu and, and other forms of martial arts that made it more competition based rather than just closed fist fighting, let's beat the hell out of each other. And I don't know how you do that with this type of form of content. Maybe there is a way to, and maybe that would save its perception just a little bit, but I don't know, man. And, and it is not necessarily fair because it's not like AEW is asking for that as the programming afterwards. But you did say, if I recall a few weeks ago on this episode, before all of this stuff went South, that you did see that there could be an upside to having Dana White's name after your television program. And that could potentially increase maybe the last quarter hour of your show. No, but I don't think I said that because that, that, and if I did, I wasn't clear in the point I was trying to make because I, I didn't see that happening. I think the point that I do remember making is that it's a good thing to have a show like power slap mm -hmm. that is there specifically to try to bolster your testosterone. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? So you've got two hours of AEW and you got an hour of power slap. Now, assuming the power slap could hold even 50 or 60% of the audience at that time of night, that's not an easy thing to do. No, it is not. Um, but if they could hold 50 to 60% of that audience, it would be a way for the people that tune into AEW to get even more satisfaction on TBS. So anytime you have a, a network, and this is the point I think I was, was trying to make, was that anytime you have a network that's looking at a two-hour time period in prime time and going, okay, we like this. We want to build upon this. How do we create program shoulder programming before and after that fits that demo? Okay. That the fact that somebody's thinking that way and speaking that way publicly, which I think they have, Warner Brothers, is a good thing, right? Because if they didn't value the AEW content, they wouldn't be trying to build stuff around it. They'd be trying to replace it. So that's why I thought it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. But because of the negative impact, eh, I, I think the odds of the fallout from power slap 
negatively affecting AEW are slim, but they do exist because of what I spoke about earlier. Well, I apologize if I put words in your mouth there. That's never something I like to do here. Hey, I babble all the time, so I could have said it. Just don't remember it. So it's not on you, brother. Hey, guys, Tony Schiavone. Need to call a timeout real quick. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling what happened when listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On a brand new edition of Insiders, Gary Juster sits down with Conrad to discuss his decades spent behind the scenes in AWA, NWA, WCW, and ROH. I don't think it was a battle with Eric so much on uh, TV versus house shows. It was a matter of if they're not making money, we got to figure out, you know, something else. You know, we just can't let it bleed like that. We go one-on-one with WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long as he joins Mike Chioda for a special edition of Monday Mailbag. And so I'm tired, man. I'm really tired, but I don't want to let Mike drive because I already know, <laughs> you know, I, I already know how he drives. So anyway, I just couldn't take it no further. So I said, Mike, you know, go ahead, and, you know, you know, take us in. So I got in, let Mike start driving. I guess, man, I went right to sleep because I was tired. So I guess maybe 10 minutes into that ride, all of a sudden I wake up, we're like in a tailspin. Royal Rumble season is here, and we watch back the most memorable rumble of all time, featuring the most iconic robe of all time, alongside the nature boy himself. Um, I mean, there was only one Olivia Walker. She was classic. And, um, but I, I just, out of nowhere, I just decided to... Um, to pick that color in black. You know, here's the deal. I, I, I've never had a great physique. And you know that black makes you look leaner. So black on black, black boots. So I went to, I went to black a lot after about 40, age of 41. <laughs> That's pretty simple, honest answer. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself. Why Ad Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now. At adfreeshows.com. I liked I liked the little callback to some of your Twitter action this past week. You, you've been making a lot of headlines this week. I'll I'll give you that. I know it's been a little contentious there with your your pal, good old Dave. Oh, I'm having a blast, man. I'm having I'm having so much fun. I have to contain myself. I, you know, I just it, it, I'm just so grateful that he's been exposed for the fraud that he is. It's just unfortunate it's taken this so long he's done a lot of damage to the wrestling industry. People don't realize that. I had somebody ask me, why do you care so much? I don't get why people like you care. Well, that's because if you've never been in the industry, and I mean in it, I don't mean tangentially, peripherally, or I know a guy who works there. I'm talking about making your living, especially at a more senior management level or as a talent. There's no way you can possibly know the kind of damage a guy like Meltzer can do by creating the nonsense narratives he does or criticizing people or body shaming people. Yeah. If, if you're not in that business, if you're not the one, you know, on the receiving end of it, yeah, of course, it seems like it's no big deal. But if you're in senior management of those businesses, you know how much damage it's done. And I'm thrilled to death to do a public service by helping to expose Dave Meltzer and his little freaky buddy Alvarez for the parasites that they really are. I can't believe people pay 12 bucks a month to get that or a week or whatever, 12 bucks a month to get that. I mean, why would you pay for information that's clearly fraudulent, proven, smoking gun, fingerprints, hand in a cookie jar? It's a fraud. And I 
whatever. I'm just glad he got exposed. Hats off to David Bixon Span and uh, Rustling Inc. I think one of the things people pay for the content for more now than anything, it's less to break news. I think back in the day, that was probably more of the priority of, ooh, am I getting the scoops? I think a lot of it is more Dave, to his credit, is a wrestling historian. He, he knows a lot about the industry and the history of the industry. And with the newsletter, especially in long form, I know you and Conrad have had similar conversations about this. He's very good at documenting that kind of stuff. And like Jay Briscoe's passing this past week, he wrote a fantastic obituary because he's very good at documentation and putting into context historical items. I think that's one of the reasons why Dave has had a really successful retention rate. I, I do think, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, people are recognizing that there are some really reputable names out there in wrestling reporting these days. And those are the people that are gaining a lot of traction, like the Sean Ross apps, like the Mike Johnson, et cetera. So I, I, my, just my thought on that, Eric, uh, the documentation and the historical aspect of it is probably what more people are paying for at this point. But uh, it's, it was a pretty eye-opening report from David Bixon Span. There's no doubt about that. And Dave did on his podcast, he, he did offer a retraction on it. But oh, Offer a retraction? How about a freaking apology? He did apologize. He did apologize as well. For, for getting, how did he phrase it? He said he reported a He hoax. got hoaxed. Yeah. No, you weren't the victim. You weren't the victim of a hoax. You were the victim, Dave, of your own sloppiness and lack of integrity. Because if you would do anything remotely close to what a journalist does, which is how you like to promote yourself, Dave, there's no way you could have been hoaxed. You weren't a victim. It was an apology. That was a baby face, I'm a victim statement which to me was a bigger reflection of what kind of a gutless punk he really is than the fact that he's lazy. I mean, look, he got caught with his hand in a cookie jar, period. End of conversation. How about to the people that have been spending 10 or $12 a month because they think you're giving them information that they can't get anywhere else because you've got such great sources. How about offering them their money back? How about offering anybody that wants to cancel their, their subscription six months free because you've been proven to be a fraud and then rebuilding your credibility. And by the way, let's go back to Dave's abilities as a historian. I absolutely agree with you. He should stay in that lane. If he stayed in that lane, and quit trying to pretend that he was an expert based on the information that he gets from his inside sources, which I argue is the reason most people subscribe. Because people, especially, you know, intense wrestling fans, mm -hmm. they want to feel like they know more than everybody else. Sure. They want to know the inside. They want to know the scoops. They want to know the dirt. And that's where that's the reason that Dave gets retention because that need to feel like, you know, something, and I'm the same way. I recognize that instinct in myself. If there's something in, that's out there, that's interesting. I want to know more than everybody else. I want to be informed. I have an intellectual curiosity about things that I find interesting. And that's a common thing amongst people, especially fans. They want to feel like they know more than the average wrestling fan. Some of them, the smaller percentage of them, need that to feel superior, right? 
And that's what drives Dave's subscription. My point is, you don't know Jack shit if you follow him. Because Dave is, you know, I refer to him as a useful idiot. I, th- I would encourage anybody that posts anything about Dave, if you're going to tag him or use his at symbol, also use hashtag useful idiot. Because that's what Dave is. Dave is a vessel that people have used for years to feed information to because everyone knows he won't verify it. He won't double check it. He'll repeat whatever, if you're, if you're a talent and you pick up the phone and say, look, Dave, like, you know, you got to keep, keep us quiet, but here's what's going on. Cause that, that individual, individual talent knows that they will go, Oh my gosh, he's giving me inside information and he likes me and I'm on the inside. Well, that inside information could be a rib. It could be somebody trying to stir up a narrative or a conversation that somehow benefits them and their agenda. It could be somebody that's just angry at somebody else and wants it out there in the public. And they know they can't do it, but they can get Dave to do it because that's what Dave does. As we've seen with his fingerprints all over the fraud that he calls a newsletter, he doesn't call it an opinion letter. He doesn't call it an historical document that focuses on the history of professional work, which I wish he did. I would subscribe if he did. That's not what he does. He cons people. He was really quick to call other people in wrestling business a con artist when he, in fact, himself has been conning people out of $12 a month for a long time. So in your apology, Dave, I would suggest that you also offer people to get their annual subscription refunded to them because you defrauded them by convincing them that you were something that you're not. Well, I don't want to turn this into any more. Then you shouldn't have brought it up. No. Well, I was just pointing at your definitions as you were making very clear in the prior point. Uh, we do have a couple more things I want to hit on, but <laughs> you know me, brother, you bring up Dave Meltzer. that's like starting up a chainsaw and just <laughs> wanting it to be quiet. Well, no. you said, you said hand in the cookie jar. My hand got caught too, Eric, but it wasn't in the cookie jar. Instead, my hand got caught reaching for some crab cakes because our friends at Jimmy's famous seafood, are just coming through week in and week out for all of our strictly business fans. You go to jimmysfamousseafood.com and they're going to ship free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. And all you got to do is use the promo code WrestleBiz. And what am I talking about here? I'm talking about the absolute tippy-top, very best Maryland crab cakes in the world and not just that they got soups chowders oysters signature steaks desserts gluten-free items they've got all these specialty famous gift boxes as well including the tailgate bundle eric we are just one week of action away from the super bowl you could get your hands on some wings some ribs crab dip crab cake mix i know you're salivating when i just rattle all these things off how good is this stuff eric it it, it uh, you know, it's amazing. It's all I can say. <clears throat> you really have to sample it. And if you're going to throw a Super Bowl, Super Bowl party, first of all, the team at Jimmy's, I've been there a few times now. They're so much a part of the community of Baltimore. They love the Ravens. They love their football. They've got food trucks that are all over the place. You know, they have tailgate parties when the Ravens are. I mean, this is a football wrestling family that that is a part of jimmy's famous seafood and there's nothing 
better if you're having a, a Super Bowl party than to blow everybody away with some Jimmy's famous seafood. You will not be disappointed. You will win best Super Bowl party of the decade. Give it a shot. You Jimmy's, won't be sorry you did. Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com. Use that promo code WrestleBiz. Get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125. This is the best stuff in the world. I got it from my sister and her husband. They loved it. They said they were so happy to chow down watching the NFL playoffs. You can do that, too. And if you've been following us for the past few weeks, you may have even put your order in already for the Royal Rumble coming up. And I wouldn't blame you because if I was watching the Royal Rumble, one of my favorite events of the year in wrestling, chowing down on some jumbo lump crab cakes, Ugh. Man, I'm salivating just thinking about it, Eric. This is the good stuff. Jimmy's famous seafood.com promo code WrestleBiz. And we thank them for sponsoring Strictly. Hey, wait a minute. I see somebody by the name of David Kelly over at F3 Shows joining us live here that a few minutes ago posted, It feels like Eric hates me. David, why would you say that? I don't understand that. I've got nothing but love for the people that or a part of the ad-free shows family, or listen to Strictly Business on the podcast or on YouTube. So whatever impression I gave you, unless when I said Dave, it feels like I'm speaking to you. <laughs> that, 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 might, that, might, that might be exactly that, right. that makes sense. Okay, now I get it. Now that I'm apologizing for hurting this guy's feelings, he's just overly sensitive. You got hoaxed, Derek. You got Change hoaxed. your name. Change your name. <laughs> I would. If my name was Dave, I would change Oh, it. my goodness. Well... I mentioned the Royal Rumble, Eric. That's coming to us this week from the Alamo Dome. And that's a big, big business show for WWE. They've really changed their business strategy in the last few years with Nick Khan at the helm, focusing on a lot more stadium shows, those larger gates. And they obviously visually and aesthetically just look so much larger than life. I wanted to pick your brain on the logistics of bouncing through venues and how do you determine what kind of venue to run in a specific market? It's not like San Antonio is the hottest market in the world, but the Alamo Dome is a pretty historic sports venue in the United States. You are a guy who WCW was running small TV studio tapings, and then all of a sudden you're running the Georgia Dome just a few years later. What is that process like in determining what size venues you run in each market? It's a big question. Um, first of all, you know, here's where I would start. I would start at the very end and uh, work my way backwards. The very end is the venue is called the Alamo Dome. If you're going to have a battle, is there any place better? Is there any arena in America, nah, the world, that is branded better for of wrestling pay-per-view than the Aladome, Elmo Dome. I mean, it's perfect branding, right? That's number one. Number two, um, I've you know we've we've produced events in the Elmo Dome before. What makes big arenas attractive? Room, space, production areas behind not just the arena and the capacity and the seating and configuration that's all very very important but wwe is a massive television production like probably five times bigger than the biggest nitro production or pay-per-view that i've ever produced yeah five maybe conservative and that just eats up a lot of space You've got a massive staff. You've got a massive amount of talent. You've got 
tr- staging all you know you, you need all, I've, I've been in buildings like madison square garden now madison square garden isn't bad even though it's older um because they have off you know they have a press office upstairs that writers can use and things like that but man i've, I've been in even with wwe when i was there i've been in venues where you're stacking writers on top of prop people on top of the makeup team. I mean, there's no room for anybody to work. And that's, that's a real challenge. It it makes an already stressful job, even more stressful. So one of the benefits of going to a big venue is just the logistics of it in the space, right? The other, of course, is how strong is your product in that specific market? Now, there's a lot of markets in, in and around the United States that aren't necessarily major television markets, but are strong wrestling markets. And you can pretty much bet that if you're going to stage a big event there, you're going to sell out because of the history and the track record that you've established in a WWE's case of probably over 30 years. You know, you, you just know that market. And you probably have people on your staff that are working with all of the, the newspapers, the radio stations, and, and striking great deals and because they have relationships and they're able to get more than possibly somebody that only comes into San Antonio once every five years. But you've got WWE who's going there for a big pay-per-view. But, oh, by the way, we also produce television here a few times a year, whatever it is. We also come here with live events. We're, we're, we're in your backyard on a regular basis. And because of that, they're able to leverage sweeter deals with radio and t- local television and possibly print. And all of that is very important. That's added value. It reduces the amount of money that you have to spend promoting the event locally because you've got a relationship there that you've established over the years that are doing it for you at a much reduced price. That's an example of why a market like San Antonio was a great market. Um, beyond that, you've got the obvious, you know, what's it look like on camera? What's the rigging look like? You know, what have I got to work with here from a production perspective? And I'm sure the Elmo Dome is, look, they wouldn't be there if Kevin didn't, didn't like the setup. And I'm sure they have a great setup, which is another great reason to go to a bigger dome, a bigger venue or a dome. Yeah. That was the last time, uh, they ran the Alamo Dome in 2017 for the Royal Rumble, and it looked great on camera. It was an awesome aesthetic. Uh, it, it definitely came across as a venue that they'd probably run again, and here we are running it once again here in the year 2023. Because I always found it so fascinating as a viewer, and I know nothing about this, that you would opt to run, say, the Georgia Dome as opposed to the NBA arena there. And WWE, even back in the day, used to run – when they'd go to Toronto, they'd run the Sky Dome for house shows and put 35,000 people in the seats for a house show rather than running the Air Canada Center up there. Was there ever a time that maybe you overshot your expectations and you had a disappointing draw at the gate in a situation like that? No, I was pretty conservative, but I want to go back to um, another reason why they might be going back to San Antonio. You've seen how different cities, and we've all read, right? compete for the rights to host WrestleMania. Yep. Well, this isn't WrestleMania coming up, but I wouldn't be surprised if there, 
aren't incentives or concessions from the city. 100%. Given WWE's track record in that market, they're also probably offsetting a lot of their cost, some of their cost of production with some of the concessions or or the incentives that the local community is providing as well. That's another good reason to go to a bigger venue because you're probably going to get more support from the local community. Oh yeah, I mean this is an event that you could argue is WWE's number two pay-per-view between that and SummerSlam. It is an event that people travel to. The local tourism becomes invigorated because of an event like this. So that, that is certainly something that plays into that. And plus on a Saturday, I love the Saturday pay-per-view as opposed to. So do I. So do I. Yeah. It's such a better viewing experience. No, but going back to your original question before I backtracked, um, you know, I was always pretty conservative. You know, I was I was the guy that shut down live events because they were losing money. My 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 argument, although it was as unoriginal as it was, um, was if you build it, they will come. Let's quit trying to convince people to come when they're not interested on in our television show. Let's put all of our resources into television. Shut down the live events. Focus on a television product until such time the television product becomes so successful that people are going to want to go see a version of it live. Now, as a result of that, even when we got really, really like 96, I, you know, we started really rocking and rolling and doing some serious business in 96, but I wasn't looking at 97 and going, okay. Let's go to whatever the biggest dome in the country was at the time. Let's go play the domes. I was super conservative because to me, it was more important to harness the energy of that audience so that it translated to the people at home and they felt good about investing their time and money in the product because they're looking at 10,000 or 15,000 people that are having a blast. Whereas if you're in a 20,000 seat arena and you only sell 12,000 tickets, you're sitting at home. Number one, that energy, I know it sounds weird, but it dissipates. It's people just don't react the same way when they're in a half filled arena as they do when they're on top of each other. And that energy is contagious. That translates to the viewer at home. So I was always more concerned about making 100% sure that we had 100% capacity or as close to it as we could get, as opposed to going, yeah, but I played this dome. It's just, it's more ego yeah, sometimes than it is practical. Yeah, I can't wait for the Royal Rumble. You, you a fan of the Royal Rumble? Um, Yeah, because it's got that unexpected, who's it going to be? feeling about it so yeah i do uh, one other than wrestlemania one of one of my favorites for yeah. sure i just think it's amazing now that like sports betting is legalized too i'm seeing all these different companies have legalized betting on the royal rumble and that's just wild to me and a sign of the times of how much stuff has changed how so, weird is no i don't know anything about the gambling world and, and sports betting I, I i haven't gambled a nickel in the last 20 years on sports betting. So this may be an ignorant question. However, how do you bet on something that's scripted? Uh, that's exactly my point. <laughs> I mean, that's weird. Uh, yeah. You're very much betting on something that is scripted. That's what it boils down. Like when to. you go to make a bet, you know, like can Bruce Pritchard show up and be like, like hmm, yeah, the day before the event, put on some sunglasses and a beard and a hat and, 
<laughs> lay down his bets. <laughs> I mean, that's weird to me. Next thing you know, he's banned from the WWE Hall of Fame for life because he bet on his own sport. And man, I don't know. Would they do that? I don't know. <laughs> you got a Pete Rose situation there. Uh, right now, it's producer Steve showing the betting odds favorites Cody Rhodes for the men's match and Rhea Ripley for the women's match. So to to win or just to purchase to win to win. To win. What are the odds that Cody's going to win? He's the favorite. What are they, uh, Steve? There, they are plus one hundred. So you got to bet a hundred and you win a hundred. Well, it depends on the type of bet. You, you have to bet a hundred to break even, and then you go above that. It, it's a whole sport. Wait a minute. So you're telling me I have the opportunity to go to Las Vegas, put a hundred dollars down. I'm betting on Cody Rhodes, and all I'm going to do is get my well, money back. Well, well, no. It, it it depends on the service. Like I said, it's a very complicated thing. It depends on who you're using, where you're putting the bet down. Um, there are a bunch of different types of bets that you can put down. It's a one to producer Steve chime in and also a degenerate gambler. It's one to one odds on Cody Rhodes. And then um, as we saw here, Sami Zayn is plus one fifty. That means you'll get one and a half to one. So if I bet a hundred dollars, I'll win two hundred dollars. There you go. Or I'll lose. Um, what's notable here? It's not this book, but it's notable on a different book that Stone Cold Steve Austin was way down here with like the carrying crosses of the world. And then he jumped all the way to the plus five hundreds of the world where Kevin Owens is. And people are saying that that means he's going to be more involved in the Royal rumble or WrestleMania. I think that's probably just because of the reports that came out this week that Austin had matches pitched for him for WrestleMania. So I think that's probably why he jumped up the leaderboard there, uh, which could, Hey, could happen. But I mean, Sami Zayn's not a bad bet with how everything's been playing out. Recently. He's doing great, isn't he? Is he yeah. such a fun character? That fun that character. that Raw 30 episode, that segment they had was just fantastic television. Really, really good. Um, so yeah, Royal Rumble's coming up this week. Go check that out. Eric, before we wrap, there's one more thing I know you want to talk about. Uh, you and I have been texting back and forth about this, and that is Live Golf, because uh, Saudi Arabia has been a big talking point on the show. Saudi Arabia helps fund the Live Golf Tour. And they had been struggling for so long to get a media rights partner here in the United States. And they finally got one a couple of weeks ago. They are going to be broadcasting on a multi-year deal their tournaments on CW, which is owned by Nexstar, which is one of the big uh, companies that owns different cable stations and news affiliates across the country. Uh, this is going to be a 14-stop 2023 schedule. So far, only seven dates have been confirmed. The logistics of the deal have not yet been confirmed as of yet, as things stand. Uh, there are expectations that this could be a revenue-sharing agreement rather than a traditional lump-sum rights payment for LIV. Uh, what's your reaction to Saudi Arabia finally finding a partner here? And does that equate to anything in your mind for potentially what we could see in the wrestling world? Uh, it was a very interesting deal. And I haven't followed it too closely beyond the first couple of days after the announcement. <clears throat> what I've read, not yet confirmed, through a number of sources, media sources, is that it is a rev share deal. There are no license fees. Let's start out with that. There are no license fees. So in an era where live events, sports in particular, and the rights that go with them are able to generate massive 
licensing fees. Live Golf didn't get one. They got essentially what is, it's a version of what we used to refer to as a barter deal. Back before license fees. Now this, even, you know, when I was in WCW, when I first got there, and even for a couple of years after I got there, syndication was a big part of the revenue model for WCW. So you had your main shows, you had your WCW Saturday night, and then you had your Sunday night main event. WCW Saturday was the A show, but you had, you had, what were power hour, you had two or three shows that were one hour shows in syndication and they were distributed around the country. We had good syndication. We had a good network. Rob Garner, VP of um, syndication, headed it up, did a good job, but we didn't get paid a dollar for any of those markets. In some markets, we actually paid to be on. Turner did. Um, so did WWE early on. Their model was exactly, in fact, WWE, from what I've been told um, by people that were there at the time, was that there were certain markets that Vince would walk in and, and stroke a check for. Mm -hmm. One way, shape, or form. Um, stroke a check. Um, because it was important to have that television show in that market in order to promote your live events. So in that form of syndication, as it was with WCW, the local television station would keep six minutes of ad time and WCW would retain six minutes of ad time, right? WCW would use a portion of that to promote our live events or whatever it is we're doing, our pay-per-views, and then the rest of it went to Turner ad sales. Standard barter agreement. That was the mainstay of the syndication world for a long time. This deal sounds a lot like the old barter deal, where in other words, Live Golf gets television exposure yep. and shares in whatever revenue is generated by advertising within that tour. It's a version of the old barter deal. It's very interesting. Kind of fascinating, actually. What's especially fascinating about it is CW is not the kind of network that airs content like this historically. And they wouldn't have the they wouldn't have the money for a massive sports right. deal. CW, their target audience, based on what their content is, are teenage teenagers, but specifically teenage girls, honestly, um, and young adults, and live golf is certainly that is not the demographic when your headlines oh, and, are. And, 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 and to me, that was like, you know, and it's funny because, you know, was it Greg Norman? See the Greg Norman's the head. Yeah. Of it. Mm -hmm. I watched him do an interview and man, he's putting this deal over. We've been working on this forever. And we were talking to other networks and we had to be very careful that we were doing what was, I mean, it was so much corporate gaga and I, you know, I'm not blaming him for doing it. That's his role. But I'm, I'm waiting. I'm okay. Now give me some information that matters here. Don't give me your press release. Give me something that matters here. And I got nothing. I got all this flowery press release type language in this interview. But never got down to anything. And I'm thinking to myself, the CW, this is the, what is it? Katrina, the teenage witch or whatever she was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was her name? Sabrina, the teenage witch. Sabrina, the teenage witch. Yep. I thought it was good. No, that was a hurricane. Sorry. Sabrina was, in fact, a hurricane. Yeah. But this is an obscure teen and preteen girl audience. 
To me, it was an act of desperation. Eh, that's the wrong way to say it. It was a strategic move based on the fact that nobody else wanted to touch them. Because you could not find a network that means less for golf than CW. And and maybe it's just the optic of having a broadcast partner and broadcast presentation. And I mean, I almost think, and it's not apples to apples here, but even when TNA was so grateful just to have the Fox sports uh, networks airing them in syndication before they were able to get the deal with spike TV, they got on the television station got their product settled, and then it was, okay, now we can go out and get. But obviously, circumstance is very different here. But it, it yeah, just – I mean, they're, they're in a building phase. Mm-hmm. They're taking the best TV deal they could get. They have no – nobody else was – nobody else really wanted them for whatever reason. Part of it could be because they just didn't feel like they wanted to compete with the PGA. It's too much of an institution here in the United States. Too many people had too many vested interests in it. Nobody wanted to compete. There's a lot of reasons why. The end result is they're not getting a license fee on the, and they're on the worst possible network you could possibly be on for golf, but at least they're going to be on television. Now here's a potential upside. It's always, a, there's always a different way of looking at things. Something I have no reason for saying this other than my gut is telling me to, I have no experience or information. In other words, I'm ignorant when it comes to the world of professional golf. I swung a golf club at a skunk once years ago. <laughs> Bad move, by the way. After you, Bad swung, move. you swung a guitar at it first. Maybe that, maybe that's why I never took up the game. I don't know. Cause it had such a bad experience, but something suggests to me that the principles involved with live golf have a strong enough relationship with some very key advertisers that live golf through their players and the players, agents and representatives and lawyers. There's enough connective tissue there with a couple big dollar sponsors that even though it's a crappy deal with no license fee, if live golf brings them in and I have no idea what the contract looks like, but it would not surprise me in this barter arrangement, this version of a barter arrangement, this revenue sharing opportunity, let's call it that that if Live Golf brings in, let's say, Mercedes-Benz, then instead of splitting that revenue 50-50, maybe Live gets 75% of it or 60% or 51%. Who knows? So it could be the first step in generating interesting revenue because we all know those advertisers that spend money in golf spend a lot of money. So maybe that's maybe it is a good thing. And the reason I find it interesting, based on what we talk about here, it's because it's another model, right? I, I remember so many times I have been approached, not, not in the last 10 years, but probably in the last 15 or 20, I'll get a phone call from somebody that I know, get into a conversation. I've got this idea and we're going to buy the time. We're going to launch this program by buying the time, like an infomercial mm-hmm. on this network or network, that network. And I would shut that down immediately because there's never been a successful business model that I know of that I've been involved with. Let's put it that way. I think religion, it probably works. But you yeah. see a lot of religious, you know, info, basically they're buying that time 
It's pay to play. Because they're generating enough revenue from it to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fishing shows are typical buy-ons. I don't watch them as much as I used to, you know, but on Saturday mornings, that's all that was on the cable. You know, before sports, it was like build dance fishing down in Tennessee, learn how to catch a bass. But all of those shows were buy-ons. They paid for that one hour of time or half hour of time. And then they hoped to make it up on the back end. And on the back end, a lot of those fishing shows, they had sponsors. They had a boat sponsor. They had a motor sponsor. They had a lure sponsor. They had a bug spray sponsor. So they could literally, as long as they had distribution in X amount of markets or X percentage of the United States, sponsors would spend money with them. And I think because this is a version of that syndication model or buy-on model, and the fact that Live Golf and the principals in it have some pretty deep relationships with some pretty big advertisers, it might be a good first step. Well, but one, it's certainly not the phenomenal deal Greg Norman made it out to be. One of the big stories back in October when they were really getting going was that they were really struggling to get these big name advertisers because a lot of big name advertisers didn't want to be doing business with Saudi. And actually, a lot of the golfers, because, you know, golf is very much individual sponsors so each athlete has individual sponsors Mm. a lot of the golfers lost those individual sponsors because they jumped from the pga specifically the institution to live golf uh because of the a fears of negotiation and b advertisers didn't want to be throwing their money at golfers who might not even be on television which there's a fair agreement with that so uh, or a fair argument, I should say, rather, on that end. So uh, definitely something that we will be monitoring here. And I, I want to bring us full circle as we close this episode of Strictly Business. Eric, do you know who the international streaming rights partner of Live Golf is? Nope. DAZN. Who? DAZN. Oh. How about that? The same company that AEW just synced its international streaming rights agreement with. Ooh, ooh, what does that say to you? Uh, just, I'm not that's here. An to that's questions. an interesting little tidbit for you to leave me with. Now I'm going to have to think about that all afternoon. I'm just here to ask the questions. That's all. This has been Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. Anything else you'd like to add, my friend? Nope, I'm good. All right. Well, it's uh, a pleasure always getting to sit across here, chat with you. This was a cool episode. Just a little myriad of topics. Again, guys, 83weeks.com. Hit that subscribe. Leave those five-star reviews. We appreciate them tremendously. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your boss. Tell your girlfriend, your wife, husband, boyfriend, whatever. Subscribe. Subscribe. Share. Share. Comment. Five-star ratings. All that crap. Do it. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week right here on Strictly Business. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.